0: To the kicking and streaming podcast, keeping it chill tonight. But I'm glad to be joined by my good friend, roommate, and co-host Kevin Hill, sitting here with me in our living room. Uh, Kevin, this is this is the 40th episode. What? It is. We are over the hill.
1: That's, I mean, in the canon, it's number 40. Well, we've got a few special episodes out already and coming up.
0: That's true. I, I mean. I, I consider this episode 40. Yeah. It's our it's the 40th birthday. You have a little special parties every once in a while, not necessarily a birthday. How's it
1: feel to turn 40, Johnny?
0: You know what? I feel old and decrepit, but I feel like I'm getting wiser with age. Yeah. You know, I feel like we're getting better at this. Yeah, definitely more efficient. Mm. <laughs> Maybe not happier. Uh. <laughs> but certainly we're putting less effort into it and getting this same amount out. Am I right?
1: We're we're having we've got it down to a bit of a science now. We're having more fun. We, okay. We're doing what we want to do because we're forty and we realize what the world is. The world is this place filled with these terrible, terrible movies and these NBA players that <laughs> just can't just provide so much entertainment. Provide so much entertainment for us in our our decent apartment for our age
0: i can't look away i can't peel my eyeballs off the screen i mean as evidenced by us delaying this podcast to watch the end of the celtics magic game
1: yeah if, Rest I, in peace if, if I see jumper. G- if i see a game under two minutes left and it's within, within five, five points, points. Yep. yeah yeah I'm, I'm like yeah can we talk ball to that, please
0: it could have gone either way but uh, they the celtics brought it back and made it close and it came down to a shot at the end two shots actually mm-hmm. and they missed uh but this podcast is not about the NBA season young as it is.
1: And God knows we've tried sometimes.
0: <laughs> we have tried. Well, this special this specific episode is not about the NBA season. I'm I'm definitely not promising that we won't have episodes that are uh heavily influenced and containing uh information about the NBA happenings of this year cuz we're off to a hot start.
1: I mean everything from the Lakers sucking to Spitgate, <laughs> uh to Joel Embiid's uh fashion Instagram.
0: To our own um wins draft team wins pool kind of thing we got going on.
1: Yes. We have so many bets uh about like the outcome of the NBA season this year amongst our friends group and my dad. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I was
0: gonna say your dad is our our uh, our seventh wheel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's great um but kevin we wanted to start off this episode by hearkening back to episode 39 where we watched the hbo owned i guess it wasn't an hbo commissioned project but we watched it on hbo hbo licensed yes i should say uh a little flick called the snowman
1: what what a nerve jangling thriller
0: Harry the Snowman Was a drunken alcoholic detective That was a little bit... With an ex-girlfriend
1: and a son that ain't his.
0: Well, actually, okay. So...
1: Are you going to bring up what I think you're going to bring up?
0: (laughs) I did a little research, and supposedly the son is his. Like, not... In the book, the son is his. In the book? Yeah. It's supposed... Like, I think... And I forget exactly, and I don't have the Wikipedia pulled up right in front of me right now, but maybe we'll get there. But I read that the uh, kind of a twist in the book version of this story is that the son, whose name I am conveniently forgetting right now.
1: It, it, it does not matter. It literally
0: does not matter, uh, is actually Harry Hole's son.
1: Okay, because in the movie, there's a scene where she I thought she was like, Charlotte Gainsbourg was like he wants to meet his real father someday or like something about that.
0: Oh, I think that Dur- was kind of d- during a during that
1: hockey scene in which we had no clue who- which person was on which team and which kid was the son.
0: There was so little action shown. And I feel like in a scene like that, where you're in a setting just to have a conversation, you need to do a little, th- a, like a little bit more than just the conversation, especially in a place like Norway. Yeah. Like, where they play hockey all year round, I would like to see a little bit of hockey because I, w- I would think it would be kind of competitive.
1: And, and part of the movie was them trying to get the existing Winter Sports World Championships. That's true. A.K.A. the <coughs> Winter Olympics.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, what do they call it? The, um, oh my God. It's
1: like World Winter Sports World championships. The World, World, Championship, World Winter
0: right? Cup, Winter World Cup or Winter something? Winter World like? Cup, yeah. yeah. So stupid.
1: You know, when they play soccer in the snow. <laughs> they, <laughs>
0: they showed, like, the Olympics branding committee, like, uh, a rough cut of the film. And they were like, yeah, you know, we want to use, like, you know, the uh, the Olympic logo and, you know, talk about yeah. the Olympics a little bit. And Thomas like, Bach was just like, no, 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 we can't do that. That's,
1: that's not going to happen. Johnny, let's r- quickly recap the snowman. Uh, this, to me... I, it's been a while since I've seen a mediocre film, and God was this mediocre.
0: Was it only mediocre to you
1: uh it it <laughs> it felt like to me like if the director had been like, You know, I'm about seventy five percent done, but what do you think? And he like showed me, and I'd be like well, well it's it's not bad for what you got, I guess,
0: <laughs> but it's just it's pretty bland. It's bland and just unnecessarily confusing and misleading mm-hmm. There's just uh, unnecessary twins. There's a whole uh, storyline about the Winter World Cup that seems like oddly thrown in there. I mean, we talked, we've talked about this in the yeah. past. This movie went through rewrites and then and then was just not literally just not finished.
1: 10 to 15 percent, according to the director of the script wasn't filmed. And you could tell Jesus. in the Val Kilmer subplot,
0: which <laughs> Val Kilmer in this movie. Oh, was he the sixth man of the year? I
1: don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I don't. There's no one in this movie that I think deserves six man status you other than maybe JK for Simmons?
0: the sun. That's true. Let's okay. talk about our favorite moments in the movie because I know what you're going to talk about and yeah. I want to get over the, the this conversation about this movie so we can move on to some good stuff. But tell me about some of your favorite parts in the movie, Kevin.
1: So after we finish a movie, you know, there's usually like some little things that will linger in my head. And I mentioned this in the podcast, but during the scene where uh the snowman killer played by the stepdad who we called like halfway through the movie, uh Sorry, I, 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 I was gonna sneeze. Bless you. Cut it, cut it, <laughs> cut it in a post. Staying in. Cut it in staying post. Staying in. Uh, when he, the stepdad like is conf- he has like uh Michael Fassbender held a uh I don't know like wire point.
0: <laughs> like a uh, you mean the the wire thing?
1: gun? Yeah, tightener point.
0: Yeah, yeah he I don't had even know his what you girlfriend.
1: There's a scene where he goes, "How does it feel, Harry?" to know the world loves you. (laughs) You have a son who loves you. And they cut to the son. And the son raises his (laughs) eyebrows in a way that would be like, "Mm, don't put words in my mouth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then kind of like looks away. Like he looks away from the scene as he puts his eyebrows up. Like as as if he's just like a teenager and his parents are giving him a stern talking to and he's just really exasperated with the whole situation. Yes, he, like he's just like Ugh, all this. <laughs> he's
1: just he's just like uh. Yep, well, wouldn't say love him. <laughs> 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 he raises his eyebrows and looks away like a oh yikes. <laughs> it it, oh. it it kept me up for five more minutes before I went to sleep, just thinking about that scene and thinking about. I love to think about directors and editors because I've seen these rooms in these small black rooms. Like, Uh you know, very dark rooms in, you know, like a warehouse building editing a movie. You got an editor up front, a screen in front, and then like the director and a producer, you know, sitting behind the editor. Uh And just the editor going, well, there's this shot, which we can uh, easily get rid of. Right. And then the director being like, that is the only shot we filmed. (laughs) (laughs) It has to stay in the editor being like, oh, okay. All right.
0: I guess it stays in then.
1: I guess uh <laughs> this movie's gonna be
0: garbage. <laughs> this uh this editor is Chief Wiggum from uh Springfield. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, guys. <laughs>
1: ah, the snowman. It's the it's the uh girlfriend's new boyfriend, huh? So, <laughs> then
0: we're gonna go find this guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, don't go say, on the Chief. ice.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. The ice is a pivotal part of this movie. We got the hockey game exposition, we got mm-hmm the beginning of the movie where the mother kills herself and then the end of the movie where Jonas dies.
1: I I will say another one of my favorite moments. I don't think we talked about in our like normal conversations is there's the scene where Michael Fassbender is talking to the police chief at the station he works at. Yeah. I think it was in, I don't know when it was, but he goes to him. He's like, I'm going to need a team. And the chief's like, what, who do you need? I think it was at, like, the party. Yeah. He's like, oh, I need a team. Who do you need? Six of uh, our finest detectives. And the police chief's like, okay, done. And I was like, oh, so we're going to get, like, a, a team of, like, super researchers and super, like, yeah, police we're detectives. We're
0: going to get the intros. Just people sitting in a library. With <laughs> <laughs> four we people nef- sitting in a library.
1: I'm not saying the movie needed, like, a montage of, like, introducing each person, being, like, I'm your researcher. I'm your hard boiled muscle. (laughs) Like, I just needed to know like people were working hard on this case. Yeah. Because it seemed like other than Rebecca Ferguson, no one was really like, let's solve the case.
0: It was literally just Harry Hole and Katrine Bratt. And like, Harry Hole was like
1: I need a team. And then he was like, I don't trust any of my team. I'm gonna solve this on my own. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was like, why did you need a team I wor- I'm Harry Hole I work alone I need a team But I work alone
0: <laughs> You know what There was another scene That I really liked When Michael Fassbender Harry Hole Is like on the train Going to like Bergen or something To like do an investigation About mm-hmm. like the Val Kilmer character um, And he runs into Jonas Jonas The the stepfather yes. On the train And he's like Oh Aren't you supposed to be On the camping trip <laughs> And I'm pretty sure I'm quoting here when when Harry Hole goes, oh, fuck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then they cut they cut to the kid just being like, guess he's not coming. Yeah, and then they cut to the kid
0: and just like wordless scenes with voiceover of just the kid like at the school bus just like waiting at the school bus. It's like, dad's not coming, is he? We're laughing and it's horrible. But that was hilarious, and it's just like the the fact that it was an interaction between like an ex and like the stepfather of the of the character. Now it's it was so good. All right, let's finish this up. Uh, Give it a rating.
1: Well, is there anything else that stuck up with you, like any other moments? Because I gave two. Do you want to give one more?
0: Um, Oh, we have to talk about you know what? what? I I got it. Um, (laughs) Rebecca Ferguson's character. Was she dead? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. I still don't know, honestly. I'll tell you. Yeah. She did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I read it in the in the Wikipedia. Like, they, they, there's just no mention. It's like uh, she could be passed out. There's no blood.
1: Yeah, like Michael Fassbender's character Harry, when he like reacts to it, it's not like, "Oh my God, she's dead." It's more just like, "Oh man." Ooh. <laughs> killer Goddard. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> Didn't have to put him in my car. Dick move, killer. Dick move. <laughs> yeah.
0: And why'd you mm. have to draw a snowman on my roof?
1: Oh god. Well and then gotta I- say,
0: the, b- the thing I liked the most about this movie actually, gotta love Scandinavian architecture. Oh. All the homes and the police station and all these places and these roads. Oh my god, the public works in fucking Norway. Oh, find me there in 20 years
1: I was getting a a haircut today And uh, I was talking Oh, were you? Doesn't look like it (laughs) (laughs) I know, this hair's grown long, baby (laughs) Uh, I got to talking about the uh, MTA and Subway Because 60 Minutes just did a story about the MTA and all its problems
0: So let me get this straight You talk about 60 Minutes segments with your barber (laughs) yeah. Do you have one barber or do you just kind of float around?
1: I go to one place and I roll the dice with whatever barber is not busy. Okay. All right. Uh, but then this guy proceeded to show me the subway stations in Uzbekistan where he's from. Yeah. So gorgeous. I bet. Just like mosaic tiles and, you know, artwork embedded into, you know, the infrastructure and and the building of the subway stations instead so of like the MTA which is like ah, we'll just throw up a poster of this poem yeah on the <laughs> subway <laughs> tile it's, our, it's we are we're representing new york art
0: work our ethic, yeah. man
1: it's just it's i we we have such a freaking infrastructure problem it's and not good
0: it's it's it's
1: not good folks
0: okay give me a rating
1: um honestly 3 snowballs out of 10 it, 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 it put in effort, but poof, poof, what a waste of two hours.
0: One and Ooh. a half, um, one and a half beheaded corpses out of ten. Okay. And so the half corpse, nobody knows where it is. <laughs> and that's the plot of the snowman 2.
1: The snowman 2? Yeah. I mean, he did find the uh, the head in the like water
0: It's an no abandoned uh, yeah. water uh tower thing.
1: I-, I liked how the police are there and they're like we can't find the head and Harry Holes just like maybe we follow The footprints. The police are like, ah,
0: (laughs) this guy. Where'd you find him?
1: Hey, I'm from the uh, Crime Scene Investigation Forensic Unit, Mr. Hole. (laughs) You tell me some footprints are going to lead me to the crime scene?
0: (laughs) All right, we've talked about a bad movie that we've seen. And now after this short break, we're going to talk about a good movie. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Kevin, we saw A Star is Born, just like the rest of America, it seems. <laughs> it's yesterday. already made like $200 million. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Do you think it'll be like the highest grossing film of the year?
1: Uh, No, because Avengers whatever yeah, yeah. came out. Uh, Infinity War. But ironically, this is definitely a movie that could have won the best, most popular Oscar category while being nominated for Oscars, which you can probably talk about.
0: So, wait, that is a new category, right? With but a it's
1: p- not being implemented this year.
0: Oh, that's 2020. I think so. The first yeah. year. Okay. Damn shame that. Well, um, in case. Uh, in case you don't know what A Star is Born is about, it's uh, actually a remake. There's been four total uh re- like well three remakes, four movies made of A Star is Born. Um and in this version um directed and produced or like written by Bradley Cooper? Uh I believe
1: no. Bradley Cooper so I believe the story is Clint Eastwood was set to direct this, which, oh, thank God. He yeah. Did. Oh, my God. Uh, and he had gotten a screenplay uh, written by the first two screenwriters. And then Bradley Cooper took over writing and directing when Clint Eastwood dropped out.
0: So, yeah, Bradley Cooper um, wrote the screenplay with Eric Roth and Will Fetters.
1: Well, he took over their screenplay.
0: Ro- uh, okay, right. That makes yeah. sense. You um, know, WGA credits. Yeah, of course. Um and the original screenplay is written by William A. Wellman back in like the 40s or something, so we want to give him credit, but the plot revolves around Jackson Maine, who's a famous country singer who is battling his own you know personal demons while still being a famous performing artist. Um, he, mi- he meets a young, talented waitress and singer-songwriter named Allie, and they immediately hit it off. Um, one thing I really liked about the movie was that it covered a lot of time in that universe. Like it probably covered like what? Three years almost mm-hmm. like their relationship really like takes off like in like the, in the first like hour or so of the movie. Um, and Ali sort of rises to stardom through, um, performing with Jackson, um, and his band and then sort of goes off on her own and, and, um, their lives are still together through the whole movie but they kind of they're they battle their own sort of issues and it's really beautiful and um it is extremely well directed and well written and the acting in it is amazing all the characters are just seem ex- like perfectly crystallized for um the characters they play and i i just loved it i was really affected by it kevin what do you think I d- I was really affected by
1: it um, as well. I <laughs> I think it isn't a perfect movie. No, it's not. Uh, I think it's a cliched movie, and I think some people are either going to uh, resist, you know, the storyline, or kind of fall into it. And I think a lot of the majority of people are falling into the story and are uh, believing in it. I heard a criticism that. The first hour of the movie is damn near perfect, and then it kind of gets a little muddled as it goes on and I kind of have to agree with that
0: i so where do you think it and and we should just say like this is spoilers if you're gonna see this movie and you don't wanna know about the plot, you should just stop listening to this podcast. This right will be
1: now. the only movie we spoil,
0: yeah, um, so where would you say you think it falls off a little bit
1: uh I'd say after they get married,
0: okay, yeah, I think. I think you're probably right about that. I mean, there was, there's a whole story that they have to tell in the movie, and Mm. I don't think, like, I think the whole story that they told, like from beginning to end, was, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. I don't know if I'd call it perfect, and I think it, like, necessarily needed like a middle part that was uncertain a little bit and not really knowing exactly what it was doing and not having like a clear direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I don't really know if I have like much more to say there, but I just think, you know, it, it commits to being like a movie movie. Oh yeah. Like besides the hell of a lot of F words and (laughs) a lot of just obvious blatant in your face, uh, drug and alcohol abuse um, I think like the story is one for all ages and the one that everyone can appreciate. It's like a love story and it's sappy, but for some reason because it commits to it and you have just these like moments within the movie where it's just the two leads to like talking to each other, looking into each other's eyes, just saying like the truest things that really, it, it didn't fuck up there mm-hmm. at all. Like, it took those mo- those moments that could be, like, just, if not perfectly executed, fall flat, and they never fell flat in those moments when he would take her aside, when she was having a rise to success, or when she would take him aside, or when they would have moments when he was really low and she needed to she needed to bring him up a little bit, or when he needed to tell her that she has real talent and that she should tell the world what, she's thinking and what she wants to say mm-hmm. all of those moments were completely well done and they're scattered throughout the movie and I just thought that was like something that the movie did so incredibly well that I was just enraptured in those moments like cheesy as they may have been like I was so in and there for it
1: mm.
0: so yeah I don't know what you have to say
1: so I think you really liked it <laughs> uh, Yeah, I really liked
0: it I mean I'm not gonna give a rating for it because um, we'll probably talk about it again later in this year or early into next year when we talk more, when we get closer to the Oscars, because it's definitely going to be on basically everyone's Oscar list yeah. for one of many categories, any any of many categories. Um, but, yeah, it was um, – I really, really enjoyed it, and I think everyone should go see it. Yeah. And I think – actually, I said that, um, that a lot of the F-words – that were dropped are like kind of what makes it not great for kids, but I think that was part of what made it so, uh, like, real sounding. And I th- I I would be interested to see like some kind of behind the scenes, um, sort of look and hear from Bradley Cooper about how he directed the movie because yeah. obviously it's his debut and I think he did a fantastic job. Um, but I'd be interested to see like how he. Like told the actors what he was thinking and how he let them have their interpretation and how the characters, you know, were breathed into life.
1: Yeah. Well, I bet you Bradley Cooper being an actor first and director second, uh, though I wish him best of luck in future directing to kind of blur that probably, uh, let the actors have a lot more freedom and play with the script. I would guess. Yeah. Um, And and so I I definitely felt like a lot of times it was some like much more relaxed, natural acting, especially from uh, Lady Gaga's character, who I thought was uh, she did a fantastic job because, you know, (laughs) ironically, we're going into the movie being like, we know uh, Lady Gaga can sing, but can she act? And then we're looking at Bradley Cooper and going, we know you you can can act act and you sing.
0: Uh, I think both of them met and exceeded expectations
1: i think the more i think about the movie though the and and it seems like a lot of buzz has been around lady gaga's performance and i think that comes out of being surprised by her acting chops though i think she was like nominated for whatever american horror story she was on or got awards for that
0: i think you're right
1: um but i thought bradley cooper was freaking phenomenal in this movie as an actor as an actor, yeah. And, and, I agree. And I feel like that's something, the fact that he also directed it and pulled off the performance he did, the believability of him being drunk and the believability of him being that rock star and famous and, you know,
0: But being still so real in those private moments.
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty... And also, performing on stage with one take knowing that, like, you can't just go out and get the same reaction from the crowd. Yeah, you know,
0: just being like,
1: "Hey guys, uh, we screwed it up our DP trip, so we're just gonna do it one more time. Do you guys mind just giving us, you know, yeah, like
0: just as loud as last time." Yeah,
1: it, it it was interesting to hear him say. I was listening to an interview that he was scared to perform as Bradley Cooper, but once he got into the character of Jackson Maine, uh, he found it a lot more comfortable to perform. And I think that makes sense. I think him being able to transform himself into that character i obviously i hope bradley cooper gets a nomination for best actor i hope lady gaga gets a nomination for best actress i really hope sam elliott just for the career he's had and uh you know his performance in the movie gets supporting an actor nom yeah uh i think
0: you think dice gets a best supporting actor nod
1: i i don't know if they'll double down on the category <laughs> no probably not i, I I do have to say he was great in uh, the Woody Allen film Blue Jasmine, and he's great in this too, and I think Dice definitely... He was great
0: in vinyl, (laughs) (laughs) in the limited (laughs) exposure he got there. Yeah. I have a quick question for you, though. Mm -hmm. What do you think, and this this might be a dumb question, but it just came to me as we were talking about Lady Gaga's acting and Bradley Cooper's singing and performing, Mm -hmm. which do you think was either more surprising or like more affecting or more like kind of pivotal to the success of the movie was it lady gaga's acting as as Ali, not the not the super mega pop star but the alley that jackson maine knew mm-hmm. or was it jackson maine as the country rock star that he was which did you like more
1: that's a really good question uh well which did i like more is a different question from what made the film better. Okay, so tell Uh, me about what made the film better. I I think Lady Gaga's performance made the film better. Um, But I really did... I did like the character Bradley Cooper played. I mean, he pulls off some pretty good singing ability. Yeah. It's hard to... I (laughs) I talked about this with Alana, too. It's hard for me to... See famous people portrayed on screen, and not know what level of fame, what level of you know popularity and impact they have in their industry is. I don't know if that's I mean, just in like that
0: in that universe that yeah. we're looking into. So yeah. you're saying like Paperboy, like how 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 yeah. famous is he? I
1: need uh, yeah, like I say with Atlanta, I need an episode of Paperboy where like they like go over his album sales, you know. <laughs> but like of course I'm never gonna get that, and that's part of the fun of Atlanta. And it's, it, I get that I'm not going to get that scene Where it's like Jackson Maine People have called you You know The You know Brad Paisley of Right You know Country rock Like I get that I'm not going to get that I'm not going to get that scene uh, So it, it's hard for me to judge Bradley Cooper Who I thought did a fine job with the singing And I heard he took two hours of guitar lessons And two hours of piano lessons a day Wow And I think it definitely paid off but it's still hard for me with the few songs he had to kind of get the level he was. And I guess that could have maybe been a little room for improvement with the character. Where I, I mean, there's parts of me that watching the movie where I was like, I think this guy's doing like partially Kurt Cobain. And then other times I was like, I think he's partially doing like Willie Nelson. There's parts of it that I was like, I think he's doing, you know, like... Um,
0: Jim Morrison?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, Definitely like uh you know very mumbly i i wasn't yeah i think maybe that's just me but it's it's i wish kind of we had more of a sense of who he was as perceived by other people other than just being famous
0: i've i've heard other critics say that this because of bradley cooper's direction in this movie and likely because he was an actor first like you said um that it's an actors movie and that there's a lot of points in the movie when the camera could go way back and show so much and could show these huge crowds but it's a lot of moments it's just so focused on just faces like either faces like back and forth looking at one another or faces right in front of a microphone um and it's it's just very intimate and and it shows that I think Bradley Cooper put a lot of faith in himself and in Lady Gaga and in Sam Elliott and in Dave Chappelle in some instances to just be right there and have everything happen between these people instead of having to pull way back and be like, look at all the significance of this. Um, And I think specifically um, the the one part of that perfect first hour of this movie where Allie and I'm forgetting her best friend's name. Um, They fly to the show Mm -hmm. and are being brought into the show through like the VIP entrance. And they have the person leading them. And it's cutting back and forth between Jackson Maine on the stage performing and doing this really cool, like rhythmic, just like pumping, like anticipating. Yeah, it's. And, it, and like, that part of the movie, I, w- I, I was, like, just sitting with my fists clenched, just, like, in my seat, just, like, whatever happens next, I I am just, my eyes are glued to the screen. Somebody could punch me in the face, and I wouldn't look at them. <laughs> it, I was, it was just completely enveloping, and, uh, and I think that's pretty illustrative of the kind of quality movie that Bradley Cooper made. And, you know, like we said, it's his debut, so... I'm excited to see what else comes next. I,
1: you do give him props for having a lot of confidence in his actors. Because sometimes directors that have confidence in their actors, it backfires in their face when <laughs> they're doing a <laughs> funny Literally accent. Literally, it or backfires yeah. in their face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the ticket sales. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so we're not going to give a rating for this movie. We're just going to give a very ringing endorsement. Um, mm-hmm. And we also have some other movies that we want to talk about. Some other sort of alike um, sort of Oscar noms uh, and so we'll get right to that. Give us just a second. first man earlier this month
1: i was one of the first men to see first man hey, hey all right uh, man
0: <laughs> neil armstrong jokes were there any in this movie any jokes
1: uh there was a few to break up the hell of a lot of drama in this movie uh if if this is uh the neil armstrong biopic starring ryan gosling as neil armstrong uh huh and uh directed by and oh should be credit uh Claire Foy as Janet Sheeran, aka Armstrong's first wife. Great. Uh she they're saying she's gonna be nominated for supporting actress.
0: You think she should be lead?
1: She should be lead. Who the she's literally second billing. And she's literally like in the movie as much as Neil Armstrong.
0: I don't know about the politics of all these kind of decisions or that are made and you know the producers yeah. that are thinking about it. Executive or whatever but kind of producers, I don't, I don't know the you know all the kind of back room dealings, but like maybe they're looking at other movies like A Star Is Born and saying, I don't know if we can get the win on lead leading you know actress yeah. here. Maybe we should bump it down.
1: I think you are probably right.
0: Get the high end of supporting honest. actress sort of realm.
1: Yeah, I I think you are honestly onto something there.
0: But anyway, c- can tell us a little bit more about the movie.
1: Yeah, so this is a very 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 very. very very and I know this is a bit of a pun, grounded movie.
0: That was five varies, just for all of you counting out there.
1: No, it's me saying grounded, but it's movie about going into space.
0: See, I'm sorry. I I tried to j- make a joke of my own and I missed your I missed your joke. Cut we're, we're operating on seven waves. Nah, we're leaving that in. All
1: right. Uh th- th- the movie starts off with uh Ryan Goslin basically in uh a very prototype uh plane and he's flying it for the air force and they're trying to get the plane to the stratosphere and it's not working right. And it's literally like he's got like a, uh, you know, Nintendo, you know, original NES joystick that he moves the plane with. And like, and it's, it's just, it shows you how claustrophobic it is to be in one of those aircraft and how you're literally using like this old, you know, machinery that looks so retro and, and, you know you know old to fly to the moon and to fly into space
0: uh where we are you like usually seeing pictures you know films Mm -hmm. like gravity and interstellar do all this and the martian do all this crazy legwork with ridiculous technology Mm -hmm. we're actually being shown that you know for real behind the curtain it's actually scary as shit because it's basically like taking your Ford explorer you know to the moon. Your Ford
1: Explorer looks like it could get to the moon much easier than the shit that these guys step into. <laughs> and I think that's one thing that's really funny is it's the most pro-NASA movie that made me never want to be an astronaut. Uh, that's great. It, it it It's definitely one thing that I give it credit for and it partially works and partially doesn't in the movie is Neil Armstrong is dead. And what I mean is that what he is now is the stories we tell about him and the legends we put up to him. So it could have they could have made Neil Armstrong into this heroic figure, especially when you have an actor like Ryan Gosling. Uh-huh. But it's not. It, it plays to how introverted. It plays to how you know kind of aloof. It plays to how Neil Armstrong wasn't necessarily a you know a true American hero, and it doesn't glitz. It doesn't glamour. It's not like that. uh you know, very shiny, bright color scheme in this movie at all. It's very gray. It's very dark blue. Uh, I I have to give credit. Ryan Gosling gives a great performance, but I'm not quite sure how to feel about it. Um, I'm very, 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 very impressed by the cinematography, by the film editing. It's like that Whiplash editing, but within uh you know the tin cans that they go up yeah. in within space uh
0: Damien Chazelle shout out
1: yes it felt it really did feel like uh you know that while on earth everything is kind of really tight and open but with tight close ups on faces uh and then when they get into space a lot more wide shots a lot more usage of the IMAX cameras was pretty obvious uh I really, really like this movie, but it took me about 45 minutes to an hour to get into it. And I think, uh, I, r- I think that a lot of people may be turned off by the way this movie is filmed and the way this movie is telling its story. And I think if you're someone who wants to get basically Apollo 13, but with Neil Armstrong, you're going to be disappointed.
0: A lot of very serious men in this, isn't there? Yes, heard it's a it's lot a, of serious white men. Uh, yeah, I've heard it's a very, very good supporting cast of serious white men.
1: Yeah, it's it's you know it's a lot of like oh that guy. <laughs> um,
0: I, uh, I just read a Ringer article about it, so I know at least like uh, Shea Whigham, um my boy Corey Stoll. He's mm-hmm. a little less of like just a. I wouldn't I wouldn't call him a that the, guy the anymore. Guy, I'll defend the, him because he's he's yeah. He's like, you know, Buzz Aldrin in this, and he's a good supporting actor.
1: The guy who played... Uh, Coach in
0: Friday Night Lights. He the guy who played Coach, it. Yeah,
1: Kyle Chandler. Kyle, Kyle Chandler. Chandler plays government employee who wears white button down and black tie and goes, look, I'm just trying to get you boys safely to the moon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Someone draws a moon on on the blackboard mm-hmm. and goes, this is where we're going. And, and liter- then Kyle Chandler literally walks out of the room.
1: Literally Kyle Chandler does that, but on a whiteboard. You're very close. <laughs> <laughs> he, he you see in the trailer, the scene where he's like, we're trying to get you from here. And then he like goes over two or three whiteboards and then draws the moon. He's like, to here. <laughs> and <laughs>
0: and then he leaves. Like,
1: and then you're like, that never, that scene definitely never happened in real life. <laughs> uh, I I I really do recommend seeing this movie to people. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if you, you're not feeling it. I'm I feeling it. Not, I think a lot more people are going to enjoy something like uh, a star is born. Then really want to commit to the weirdness, uh, but really impressive uh, first man.
0: That's great. I'm excited to see it. I'm probably planning to see it with roommate Steve mm-hmm. at some point in the near future. So you know, you and I can talk off pod about it. And uh,
1: yeah, don't don't see this movie on your iPhone or no, on go your s- go see it in thirty two inch television if you have one. Go, do go see us in theaters or see it with good sound, with good, uh, you know, picture quality.
0: And that is actually a very good transition to our next movie that that we're going to talk about because this movie will be coming out on Netflix in December. So it's going to be seen on a variety of different devices and formats and contexts and less about just going to the theater and seeing it I'll just get to it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roma by Alfonso Cuarón. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be released on Netflix uh, in mid December. Um, it is going to be entered for the best foreign language film at the Academy Academy Awards. We already know that. Um, I believe it's it's set in Mexico City, correct? It's and it's like a semi. It, it's not a biopic but it's like Mm semi-biographical about Cuaron's young life um and it sort of follows a middle-class family in Mexico City um and it's gonna be all in black and white and I'm here for it
1: I this is the prime example where I think Netflix can do really good which is Netflix giving directors uh you know 15 to 30 million dollars and being like we trust you to make something that is good. Go make what you've had in your back burner for years or whatever. Yeah. Go make that script that you wrote that's in your drawer. Go make go make that idea that's been on your mind.
0: None of the major studios wanna make these like quiet, cerebral, like kind of psychological like mid-budget movies anymore it's it's like so much about like hitting home runs and going for these you know huge action thrillers and these superhero movies and all this pre-existing ip whereas no one wants to take just like a small original idea anymore and and put that on the screen and that's why i'm still thankful for you know like a24 and and um companies like that that give you know up-and-coming directors and like really smart directors a chance to do like smaller projects and Mm -hmm. like you know take more chances on them but yeah i think netflix is you know to not get into too much of a discussion about the movie industry like netflix is probably gonna really take over that like middle ground or i mean you know anywhere under like you know 70 million dollars you know it's kind of just a crapshoot sometimes if it's like not Just an existing story That everyone knows about already And if it's not like Steven Spielberg You can't guarantee That a movie's gonna make money But a company like Netflix Doesn't have to make money On a movie On one given movie Mm -hmm. And so they can have Alfonso Cuarón Who is Absolutely one of the best Living directors Mm -hmm. And and Anything he makes I will go see In the theaters If it comes out there
1: Yeah I'm gonna I'm going to try to see Roma in a
0: theater So it Um, is gonna play In theaters then
1: Uh it is should, it? it should in New York. I okay. don't know about you know the rest of the country, but there should be some theaters in New York showing it. Uh, Netflix is in that bit of a pickle of wanting to break into the Academy Awards and awards circuit with their movies. I mean,
0: don't you think they're going to here?
1: I th- I think they have their best shot here. Uh, the one last year that we really liked, uh, Mudbound. M- Mudbound did play in a select few theaters oh okay uh and that's a shame too because that's definitely a movie that should have been put on a screen uh so netflix has to kind of figure out what they want to do with their movies because i i feel like their uh plan with television is to create quantity over quality you know there's going to be some quality tv shows the haunting of hill house we started and we really like everybody loves stranger things everybody loves you know, House of Cards. Everybody loves Ozarks.
0: Everybody loves Raymond, which
1: should be on Netflix. <laughs> but it, where is Everybody Loves Raymond? We need to, Donna. We need to <laughs> relive those great Everybody Loves Raymond moments. Uh, hashtag get that streaming, please.
0: Raymond but, wants streaming. No, but you're right. They, um, they're, they're creating more TV shows than. Any other network right now. Yeah.
1: But with their movies, it's interesting because they really have an opportunity to create that prestigious word of mouth, you know, well-respected, you know, low-budget movies.
0: And they're in front of... They get their, they get the, all their own advertising time, too. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about it all day, and we can theorize about it and never see the numbers on it, but, like, the effect of just scrolling through Netflix and, like, seeing what pops up and what just randomly starts playing a trailer in front of you and just randomly grabs you, mm-hmm. like, that's worth something. If someone's just going to watch The Office and then goes, huh, Wonder what this private life movie is about. Yeah, which is another movie that's gotten good reviews lately. I don't think it's not it's not going to be in the Oscar talk or anything like that. But yeah. you know, Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn, I think mm-hmm. is it. Yeah. Yeah, like that. That that's gonna be a great movie. That's yeah. gonna be a fun movie. A good th- time. Th- th-
1: there was this movie that was released in September. I think you didn't even probably know about it. Called The Little Strangers. And it was directed by Lenny Abramson, who was the Oscar-nominated director from Room.
0: Okay, I knew I knew that name from somewhere. It
1: starred Donald Gleason and Charlotte Rampling and... Uh,
0: little Strangers.
1: Yeah. So it was one of those movies that was done by the studio, but done with, you know, uh, you know, a $30 million, I'm guessing, you know, low-end budget. Uh-huh. But not marketed. And it was only released on, like, 400 theaters, and it only made, like... Uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Wow. You got Donald Gleason? you got an Oscar-nominated director, and yet a studio doing that project goes under the water. You know? Yeah. It disappears for four months and then prays that video on demand it finds a little bit of an audience. Netflix, I think, has a real opportunity to do kind of that Amazon model, which is run a movie in theaters, see if it can make money there, and then release it on streaming service, or release it on streaming service and just market it well.
0: Amazon um, produced Manchester by the Sea, correct?
1: And the Big Sick. They're the two. And the Big Sick examples.
0: Okay. All right. I I I couldn't remember for sure, but that popped into my mind. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm. I would like to see Roma in a theater as well. I think. That experience still does make a difference. I think, even in the age of Netflix and streaming and being Mm -hmm. able to have everything at our fingertips, I think going to a place, Mm -hmm. buying a ticket, sitting down and turning off your phone and just being there with other people Mm -hmm. and seeing it on a huge screen makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I'd like to see it in the theater. And then, hey, maybe, you know, a year down the road, maybe I'll just watch it on my phone or sometime, you know, on a plane or something. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you mentioned Mudbound before, another Netflix film that had a moderate success at uh, at the Oscars last year. And I'm really, I'm really going for my segues here because the final film we want to talk about is Wildlife, which stars Carey Mulligan, mm-hmm. who also starred in Mudbound. Yeah, I feel bad that I had to explain that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Wildlife is directed by Paul Dano and when i saw that i was like okay cool another one of these movies made by an actor a young person that it's their directorial debut you know we had uh greta gerwig and um uh jordan peel last year mm-hmm. create amazing movies for the first time and get success at the oscars and wildlife itself um seems like a very quiet like brooding film Mm -hmm. and just to i guess give a little taste a little uh little snippet of it um it's directed by paul dano uh also co-written by zoe kazan Mm -hmm. who i believe was a co-star in the big sick um, lots of lo- lots of webs going around in this podcast we're weaving right now we're It's great yeah we're, we're the puppet masters anyway um, excuse me <laughs> <laughs> it's based on the novel wildlife uh, by Richard Ford which was published in 1990 um, it's about just basically a failing marriage uh, in Montana and uh, a m- Carrie Mulligan's character falling in love with another man, and the boy whose parents are Carrie Mulligan and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. just kind of witnessing it all. Um, and there is really not a lot more given than that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about you; I am a hundred percent willing to go watch Carrie Mulligan oh. silently die inside oh. for one hundred and ten minutes.
1: Oh, uh, when I think of like, no those, one's better at it. When I, th- when I think of those actresses who are just like, they can they can do any role. It's y- you throw up there like Carrie Mulligan, you throw up there Cate Blanchett.
0: I was gonna say, um, oh my god, I can't believe I'm blanking on her name right now. She's in Fargo. Uh, oh, Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand. You
1: throw up Frances McDormand. You throw up. Uh, Viola Davis Yep You throw up Just Just like
0: You just throw like, up Angela Bassett Oh <laughs> Sorry that's an inside joke <laughs>
1: That is an inside joke <laughs> You throw up uh, Regina King I agree mm-hmm. Uh You Definitely Have a point though where You've got a young director Who's been around more acting So you got an acting director Uh huh Or an actor's director Yes Uh, And you've got two fantastic actors. And you've also got our boy, Detective Box. Oh. Bill Camp. I forgot. Okay, I knew the name Bill Camp. New York's favorite Uh, actor who only took 58 years to be discovered.
0: I love him so much. That man can act. He can act the shit out of a scene. (laughs) He can act. If you want to see a heartbreaking performance... And a very—I don't. I'm not going to use any more words to describe it. Just go watch his performance in the night of.
1: Oh, that dun 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 dun
0: dun 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 dun. He's oh, detective box.
1: When you when that scene that scene when he is walking down the street and you know he's thinking about the case, and he's like thinking about the case and he looks down and he looks around and he looks in the window and then he's just like. Hmm, And then he walks in to his like going away party and you just kind of see all the things that were in his head disappear. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, that's, that's, that's act.
0: That's the good stuff. That is, that is the pure uncut acting.
1: So I am excited to see this. Uh, I mean, I think it's getting some good reviews. I think, you know, the hard thing with first time directors is getting something that gets such Great box office returns or media attention, yeah, uh, but I definitely see i wanna see this with you because these are actors with an actor's director, so you know it's gonna be good
0: and the ads have been all over instagram, so
1: oh someone someone uh <laughs> someone's Googled <laughs> Carrie Mulligan before, I'm
0: getting targeted in the algorithm someone, if someone, you know what I mean someone's
1: googled uh <laughs> Bill Camp a few too many times. <laughs>
0: you <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're gonna leave it on that positive note uh, that was a really fun podcast to record mm-hmm. I want to thank everyone for joining us uh, hit us up on our usual channels as always uh, on Twitter at your fave podcast hit us up on our special Gmail account kicking and streaming pod that's entirely spelled out kicking yes. um, and streaming pod at gmail.com yes and we'll see you next time later